0: Welcome to Wanna Podcast, a polyamory podcast. We're about to curse and talk about sex a lot. So don't say that I didn't warn you. I'm your host, Britt Bosacek. I'm not a professional, I'm not an expert, and I'm not a unicorn. Enjoy the show. So there aren't many times in my adult life where I've asked someone to be my boyfriend or my partner, as the case may be. And I did it recently and I was thinking a lot about labels and expectations and the way that I used to use terms like boyfriend and girlfriend and the way that they've changed for me. And it seemed to me that it was really important more so now than I think when I was mostly monogamous for me to label someone in my life as a boyfriend or not a boyfriend or a girlfriend or not a girlfriend. Because without that kind of accountability, I leave the other one or myself vulnerable to unmet expectations or letdowns. And when a relationship starts and it decides to escalate to the point where we're comfortable calling each other boyfriend and girlfriend, then we get to put kind of all of these things that we're really excited about or that we need or that we want or that we expect into this envelope. And then we just kind of write on the envelope, on the outside, my partner. But on the inside, when you open it up, it's all of these things. And what leads to hurt feelings, I think, for me is when I get excited about handing someone the envelope, but we haven't put anything in there first. And so it's kind of just an empty word. And I've accidentally let myself down that way because I kind of forget sometimes with a new relationship it still deserves just as much as my established relationships get as far as like conversations and boundaries go and I forget that part of a relationship is becoming vulnerable and asking for exactly what I want and that becomes particularly embarrassing when I'm asking someone to be my girlfriend or my boyfriend for the first time um and setting boundaries and expectations and getting a brand new feeling of the fear of rejection in that context. So I guess what I'm trying to say to my listeners is um will you go out with me? After the break, an amazing interview about the nature of the universe. Social media, and polyamory with Brian is Z. If you haven't checked out my Patreon yet, there's a lot of cool bonus content that I think you guys will enjoy. A lot of it has to do with non monogamy and being in entertainment, burlesque dancing, but what I'm really excited about are the love letters that I get to send to everybody every month about different kinds of love. And this month, I'm talking about the kind of love that you feel for a past lover. That you never really forgot about, and when I wrote it, I cried. So I hope that that comes through. And that's just a dollar, so you get to have this dramatic piece of me for one dollar a month. My Patreon is patreoncom slash which is my last name: V-A-S-I-C-E-K. All right, now back to the good stuff. Welcome to the show. Brian is Z. What is your relationship to non-monogamy?
1: It's been a journey, but right now, even though I'm seeing multiple people fairly regularly, I still consider myself uh, solo poly, uh, or polya. I'm trying not to say poly anymore because of the whole... Mm. Poly is the word for Polynesian. Mm -hmm. And erasure is super real, especially for Polynesians. Because when was the last time you heard anybody talk about Polynesians where it wasn't like, this is a way that we are being shitty to these people. (laughs) So (laughs) should probably pay that attention. But uh, after some really codependent relationships, I heard about relationship anarchy, and that's what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. I realized that as codependent as as I can get, especially when you really get that, like, whirl- whirlwind new relationship energy, because mm-hmm. that can just sweep you up, and you can get stuck in that, and that leads straight to codependency. So... In
0: some cases, yeah. Yeah. It's, like, a great way to lead into codependency. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, But I spent the last year trying out relationship anarchy, and I realized that my natural setting for not getting all up in somebody's shit and having them all up in my shit because that's a really easy way to get jealous because if you spend all your time together then you feel like someone's taking something away from you more easily yeah but uh so I realized that my normal rhythm is seeing everybody who I date about every other week because I'm just busy Mm -hmm. like and a lot of my busy looks like me in my room, on my phone, or on my computer getting stuff done. Like, I can have a full business day, like, from my bed, which is great, because I got real bad executive dysfunction. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah, that. so...
0: That's what I was doing today. I was just, like, laying on the couch on my laptop. Yeah. Clicking.
1: The day that Houston Press debuted my new single, I woke up at, like almost noon and I had uh a message from Jesse Sadejas who was like hey uh they put the article out here it is and I was like oh crap it's release day I gotta do so much work and I was hanging with uh my on and off uh partner at our friend's place like it slept over and I said that and then my fr- our friend expected me to get up and go.
2: Like, and like do then, stuff.
1: Uh, but I was just sitting there and they're like, don't you have to go? And uh, my partner just goes, oh no, they're working their ass off right
0: now. Um, yeah, I have this thing. This always, I mean, this doesn't always happen, but a lot in relationships, people have a problem because I don't text back or like I don't message back very much. And this, ah, I hear this all the time. They'll be like, why haven't you texted me back? You're on your phone all the time. When I'm on my phone, I'm fucking working.
1: I've gotten a little more lax on that. And when you don't set that precedent of like Texting everybody all the time. texts back within five minutes, then it's more okay. Like sometimes you get a text that says, I love you. And sometimes you're super busy at that moment and you don't have a moment to respond. Mm-hmm. But. You can say it the next day or something if you forget. <laughs> it doesn't to mean that you don't back. love that person. <laughs> yeah, it's like nope, didn't go away in the last five minutes. Till there, still really care about you. Mm-hmm. Just uh, trying to do something with my life.
0: Yeah, so define for the audience what relationship anarchy is.
1: So a lot of people have higher hierarchical relationships where that's where you hear this is my primary these people are secondaries and that feels so gross to me because <laughs> um, you're straight up ranking the people who you care about mm-hmm. and when like I've had exes who would say you're my favorite and I made them stop saying that because I don't want to feel when I stop being your favorite yeah because that's okay you're going to, even if you're not in a non monogamous relationship, you're not always going to be your partner's favorite. Yeah. They could just make a new friend. A puppy might become their favorite. You're not always going to be someone's favorite. Yeah. So instead of putting that pressure on everything, just, I just want to love everybody how I love them because every love is different. So how are you really good? It's apples and oranges every time. Mm hmm. So I prefer to just have it be, these are the people who I date, I care about them, I'm not going to inherently put one over another, like I'll take into consideration different factors, like do we have plans that involve buying tickets to something? Have I not seen one of my partners in a really long time? And usually I just go with whoever I make plans with first, like I would with anybody. Mm -hmm. And... It feels like way less pressure and other people feel less skeevy about like, oh, they canceled on me or picked going with someone else instead of going with me. Mm So it feels way healthier to me.
0: Totally. I am terrified by relationship anarchy, but I hear that it's awesome. (laughs) And there's a lot of crossover like in the online community because um, I'm on the internet a lot in like the polyamory groups. Yeah. And relationship anarchists will like be giving advice to people that do the hierarchy. And they're like, how can you even, like, they can't even wrap their head around how someone could think of someone as more important than a different person they love because like there's that's so natural for them. Yeah. But for me, it's more about like time commitment than like importance.
1: Yeah. And I totally understand that. Um, And maybe at some point in my life, I will, like, I'll probably cohabitate with somebody again. Things will naturally happen that will change dynamics. And I'll naturally spend more time with someone, probably. Mm -hmm. But I realized after I put out my double album and that had some time to do something, uh, at the time I was like, oh, snap, I'm almost 30. And now I am 30. And I was like, I'm just working in service industry because I didn't finish college because of all my mental illness so no one will hire me for office jobs even though I'm great at doing office shit Mm. so and I'm anti-capitalist anyway I don't really want to do it (laughs) but like you've broken my spirit and I'm good at the stuff you need just employ me Mm -hmm. I'm not even gonna like ask for better money than other people I just don't wanna make close to minimum wage I'd like to I would like to not have like half a week to a week and a half where I broke every month. But I realize that the way that society validates me most is the thing that also people give me crap for, but just being super out and open about all the weird stuff in my life, which some stuff I'm normalizing things that aren't as common and some stuff it's like we all deal with this why don't we talk about it Mm -hmm. so that means doing music and right now that's going well I quit my I just quit my day job not because music was going so well that like I know I cannot have a job for a long time but I was like I cannot have a job long enough that I can find uh job that doesn't eat my soul
0: yeah and like your happiness is very important to your creativity
1: yeah or at least it
0: is for me i don't know if that's true for you but
1: also just for my mental health i was working at a place where everybody hated each other and i was doing all of the emotional labor and i realized at some point where i was like oh even though you don't respect my like gender queer identity and my pronouns you all still see me as a black femme because <laughs> no one puts that much emotional labor on anybody like like they do on black femmes really yeah interesting if you if you like keep an eye out for it it just happens all the time
2: yeah
1: but so i had to leave that because one night i played a show it went super well actually just got asked to become the resident DJ for that show Oh, cool! and yeah, yeah. I'm excited because that's another thing to go back to that'll make me some money I uh, so my self care that I always do when I get paid I will just pay the next month's rent like the check before right before when rent is due mm-hmm. and then be broke for a while and then pay bills with the next check that's my self care knowing that <sighs> I'm not going to freak out. And Polly, like, want to
0: podcast is also bringing you financial advice. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. well,
1: my point is that, no, that
0: I, isn't uh, an act of self care and sourcing yourself for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like take
1: your bubble bath, but also like make sure that you're not going to have the existential dread of like, am I going to, yeah. <laughs> um, but I was able to pay my next, uh, three months rent, which actually takes me through the end of my lease. Oh, that's so, awesome. yeah. Um, and I've booked a couple of, like well paying d j gigs. I don't know why I just did finger guns at you. I also don't know why I said that because they didn't know I did that. And I'm <laughs> sure you noticed.
0: I but... did not notice, but for those listening at home, apparently, I just got shot by finger guns.
1: Papa <laughs> that's uh that's my not doing hip hop gun sound <laughs> um, but yeah, so. I'm finally actually going full force into not just music, but also getting onto other people's podcasts and starting my own podcast and just
0: being able to create.
1: Yeah. Art is what I get positively reinforced most in my life. And I've been searching for the stability that I realize now I'm just not going to get so mm-hmm. now without having the hierarchy in my relationships i can really focus on that and everyone knows that's what i'm focusing on and that also helps me work on my codependency issues mm-hmm. and yeah it all just ends up way healthier for me
0: yeah i remember a time in my life when i was still monogamous where i would like stay like no, I can't be in a relationship now because I need to focus on my work or, like, my art or what I'm yeah. working on. Particularly, like, when I was, like, younger and, like, on my own at an early age, like, I didn't really have any other option. Like, I cannot have a relationship right now because I have to work on like this. Yeah. And that was really sad. But if I had known about polyamory and, like, setting healthy boundaries. Yeah. You know, like, what you're describing Ugh, where boundaries. it's, like... Yeah, your, like, primary relationship is, like, with yourself and your career, but you can still have, like, fulfilling relationships other than that yeah. without, like, yeah, I totally struggle with codependency Which I need those,
1: because I'm super mean to myself. <laughs> like, I, if, uh, if my primary relationship is more so with my art than with me, mm-hmm. uh, it's an abusive relationship because I am so mean to myself. Like I just played a gig at Axelrad, and whenever I play there, I basically every time I've DJed there, someone has come up to me and told me that it was the best DJ set they've ever heard, and at least Axelrad. And at this last set, um, some things went wrong, which weren't my fault. Like mm-hmm. I've been—I told you that something about me is freaking out all touchscreen electronics and I DJ off an iPad and it was messing up my transitions and transitions are really important to me when I DJ because I mix super weird stuff together, like mixing nine inch nails with taiga. Mm. And if you don't mix Do it those like just well, the right way. It's very jarring. So it was messing up my transitions and I pulled a full on Cobain and like threw my headphones and uh like walked away for a second, and the sound guys were just like, what's wrong? And I was just like, it's messing up my transitions. This, is, this sounds really good. And then later, someone told me that they thought it was the best DJ set that they'd heard, and they have been working there for over six months, and they were like, this is the best DJ set that I've heard here. And I was like, oh, I need to stop being so mean to myself.
0: Yeah, no, self-talk has, like, such a huge effect on relationships like yeah even I mean I don't know I feel like people can get away with it when they're single like having poor self-talk yeah but like having poor self-talk and trying to be in a relationship has never worked for me you know like it really helps to have positive relationships to kind of negate the negative self-talk
1: well I mean like it makes jealousy so much more likely you Mm -hmm. think more often that people are gonna leave you they're gonna lose interest and it's really common for me to just not understand why people like me
0: Mm. and I try
1: not to get all like edgy about it but it's a serious problem
0: yeah for sure how did you so was the discovery of polyamory kind of like just an organic transition from like I don't want to be codependent anymore like I'm going to start open relationships or did you know what polyamory was like how did it happen
1: um my ex fiance actually introduced me to it.
0: Mm, um, interesting.
1: And it was good for our relationship for a while that I realized, like, oh, I'm really polyamorous. And we definitely had codependency issues and finding polyamory. I was going out more. And a lot of stuff happened in that relationship, but it definitely didn't help. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, like throughout my twenties, I jumped around from serious relation to serious relationship to serious relationship, mm-hmm. and that really kept the codependency going. So I had been in two really serious long term relationships that were codependent and non monogamous. How did so that work? Poorly. Yeah, there was. Jealousy and lying, and finding ways to end up cheating in non monogamous relationships, which, which is, is still possible, yeah, it's still totally possible because cheating is mostly about lying to someone. Mm-hmm. And when you're codependent and you get nervous about how the other person's going to react, but you're still supposed to be able to do this. It goes that way pretty easily,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so that's why I decided to try out relationship anarchy, which has made my life so much better.
0: Yeah, mostly I hear about like a transition from like someone was monogamous with someone and then they opened a polyamory and then they like, eventually found out that relationship anarchy was, like, best for them. Yeah. But I very rarely hear about someone going from, like, codependent to anarchist. You know, like, yeah. that's such a sharp transition. Um,
1: I think it's because <laughs> i spent so much of my life trying to be things that I'm not. Like, trying to be straight. Trying to be a cisgender man. Trying to to be monogamous and i was really good at being monogamous because i was dedicated and i really loved the person i was with and i didn't want to hurt them Mm -hmm. i didn't cheat but there was this deep-seated unhappiness that i didn't understand yeah so it's it was because it was always in me and i think some of the codependency was because i was putting so much effort into not exploring non-monogamy because yeah. I not know about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what are your relationships like now? What's your polycule? Oh,
1: uh, I'm dating three people in Seattle where I'm living right now. Uh, one person in Houston and then one partner just moved to Austin um, two days after I got here, which we wish that we'd had more time together, but if we had we'd be screwed because we still wouldn't really end up seeing each other that much more. Yeah. Because when I'm in town, foremost, I got to give my mom time. Um, I've got to take care of business while I'm here. And I've got a bunch of people to see. I grew up here. I have yeah. so many friends here who I love so much. And even being here like a week and a half, almost two weeks, it's still not enough time. Even though it already feels like I've been here for like a month. An amazing month that I've loved. Yeah. I've just done so much stuff since Wednesday and it's Tuesday. I am exhausted right now.
0: Yeah. So, that's five. Yeah. Gosh, that's a lot. And
1: I still end up super lonely sometimes. That's hilarious. That's so funny. We're always like, I like to date interesting people who do cool things and it if i don't date people who have some understanding of what it's like to basically be a small business because that's what we're doing we're small businesses all of the different things we're trying to do there's Uh, but, I
0: did throw sunglasses at a cat because it wouldn't shut up, but it didn't hit the cat. It yeah, just, the cat
1: was around the corner. It
0: scared the cat.
1: And you can do that thing from that Angelina Jolie movie where you make the bullet curve. <laughs> so the cat was spared.
0: So, yeah, it's like being a small business, yeah. which I totally resonate with. And, and like people that don't understand that may be more prone to like jealousy. And, yeah,
1: yeah, and being upset that you don't spend more time with them. So sometimes it gets really rough because I haven't actually gotten to hang out with one of my partners who lives in Seattle in, like, two months. The la- or, Oh, the last night we actually spent together was New Year's Eve, and I was DJing, hosting, and performing.
0: Yeah, and so there was not a way to, like, connect. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, we did spend... Day together because I was out till six in the morning because it was a totally DIY event. So and we had the Seattle version of like TABC, the like Uh alcohol and marijuana enforcement people show up, and I had to talk to them, and that took forever. And then afterwards we had to go count all our money, which worked out uh, quite nicely, but. We Wait, had to so they just so much money.
0: They just like roll up in there, and they're like, is everybody doing things legally?
1: Yeah, basically. <laughs> One time at Axelrad, I was working door, and before a certain point, it's all ages, mm-hmm. and I let this kid in, and I remembered specifically that he was underage because his ID said 99, and I thought to myself, Dear God, you were born the year The Matrix came out. Uh, which... It was like, oh, yeah. At the time, I was like like 28, and I was like, I feel old. (laughs) My brain works weird. But uh, I turned around, and I saw him walking away from the bar with a beer. And uh, I walked up and said, hey, doesn't your ID say 99? And he said, "Uh, yeah, because... It turned out to be... Well, I grabbed the beer and said, you gotta get out of here. And then some dude comes up to me and is like, no, no, no. Uh, he's staying. And I said, no, you're with him. You gotta get out of here too. Whoa. And then he whips out his TABC thing and I was just like, oh, I am fucked. But because I took the beer before he could drink it or anything and before the cops got there, they were like, well... And I wasn't part of the conversation with them and they had my ID so I was just like checking IDs a few feet away and having a panic attack
0: yeah but I mean you did the right thing right? I don't know how this stuff works
1: after a while they came over to me and they said uh, well basically it was wrong to sell him that but because you took the drink before anything happened, mm-hmm. technic- technically no laws got broken here. So nothing that we could really charge a whole bar for. Yeah. So they were like, don't let this happen again. Because
0: the bartender should have checked the ID, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. And so basically, and this would have been true anyway, but they show me extra love at Axelrad. Mm-hmm. Um which I have such a good relationship with them. I love them so much. I constantly, it was, it's
0: Here's the Axelrod plug. Uh, they're not yeah. paying us, but they're, they're pretty cool.
1: cool. <laughs> they're paying me uh, <laughs> when I when I do work for them, not yeah. for the podcast.
0: But, uh, <laughs> they don't just give me money to say their name on podcasts, yeah. but it'd be cool would be did. dope though.
1: Adam, Monty, think about it. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, it's tied for best job that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's always good to go back there.
0: Yeah, I've only been a few times, and I know some people that work there that I'll talk smack about with you <laughs> later. Uh. <laughs>
1: we'll see if I know them because they're like maybe twenty something employees by the time I left, and now they're fifty something. Yeah, which is wild. It grew so fast, and I got hired like a month, month and a half after it opened, and I actually headlined the first the first night it was open. It was, like, a pre-open benefit show, because for a while, towards the end of me living in Houston, I just became, like, the benefit show rapper, because people know that I care <laughs> about so many causes, and I was playing so many shows all the time, mm-hmm. and I, like... I got to the point where it's like okay i'm not gonna play these little dinky ass shows where the promoter is just like a fuck boy and there's gonna be no one there mm-hmm. which happens a lot with all rapper bills yeah i hate that shit I, I feel
0: like okay this might not be true but i feel like comedy and the like the comedy scene in houston and the rap hip-hop scene in houston are kind of similar in that like I mean, Houston's so easy to just DIY, make your own show, make it look big, do a lot of promo, like, you know, venues are thirsty for crowds, because crowds exist, and so they like, let shit happen, Yeah, and like, there will be, like, really well, amazing, promoted shows with all these people on the bill that may be paid to get on stage, who knows, and, uh, you know, no audience. uh,
1: Yeah, it's, well, I came up first in the punk scene, and then I moved to Montrose, which is like, some punk, some indie stuff. And my favorite thing about Houston that I haven't really found in most other places, our diversity seeps into everything. Yeah. So when we're planning shows with like the Montrose now East End because everybody's getting moved, like all those like weird fucking art kids.
0: Yeah, we, we cannot afford Montrose anymore.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we don't m- make bills based on. Oh, these bands sound alike because we're all kind of of the opinion. I don't want to talk to one person who talks about one thing all night. Yeah. So why would we listen to the same kind of four music bands all night. that where it's like you could have just had one band learn all four of your songs because you sound exactly the same. Yeah, and that's so. kind of
0: the same vibe in stand-up that we don't have the option of is like we don't have the option to have diversity because it's just like all the same kind of dude telling the same kind of jokes for ten minutes. Oh my god, I hate it. <laughs> it and sucks.
1: Some, amazing comedians in here but it seems like there's this real tight speaking
0: of hierarchy like
1: yeah it seems like there's this real tight-knit crew who still do like shock comedy and say fucked up shit and i'm like how are you still such a piece of shit yeah like it's wild
0: has anyone ever like what is it like to be in a anarchist relationship with all those people like do they ever like beg for your time or like get Jealous about you not having hair, or are they just like all cool with it? There's five Uh, of them.
1: Yeah, well, the five people who I'm with right now. There have been a bunch of other people as as this five has built up. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. all of the people who felt those ways that ended up falling apart and not Mm -hmm. being super pretty when it did, and it's because I'm just ideologically opposed to them about how a relationship works i still really care about all of them but it just doesn't work Mm -hmm. and another thing that i had to get better at in the last year was breaking up with people Mm. i hate doing that and i used to do that thing where it's like all right things are wrong i'm working super hard to make this work or really you're being overbearing and kind of trying to make it work and kind of trying to make the other person break up with you and i was like oh <sighs> that's real shitty and i didn't realize i was doing that yeah so if stuff's wrong and i don't think it's something we can work on i pull the trigger on breaking up so much faster now and so much healthier for everybody because like, and i'll have a re- I'll be like. I don't think we communicate well with each other or we don't have the same ideas about this thing. Let's just get out of this mm-hmm. instead of getting more and more attached to each other.
0: Yeah. Or like trying, like saying like, Oh, I can fix this about myself and yeah. I can accommodate this. Yeah.
1: Cause yeah, Oof. we try to accommodate so much, but if it's something you really don't want to do, you're probably not going to get okay with it and there's just like this low-grade resentment that builds up over time and I can usually tell people are mad at me before they know they're mad at me so I'll be like hey what's wrong they'll go nothing and then a few months later they'll be super pissed off about something I'm like okay, I thought this was what you were pissed off about, but it just took you a long time to process why you were mad. Because they legit don't realize where they're mad at me. But um, I, I'm really good at processing body language when it's negative. I'm really bad at processing body language when it's positive.
0: Sounds like a good survival mechanism. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's basically what it is. Um, which also helps a lot with consent things mm-hmm. because I'm very forward about things and I find ways to make it goofier so it's not so intense all the time. Something that... Bo- I'm
0: really good at that too, by the way.
1: Something that really boggles me about, like, the way cis trait relationships seem to commonly work, the whole, like love of surprise like surprise for the first kiss surprise for like engagements it's like you know what's still super like terrifying and exhilarating when you ask someone if you can kiss them for the first time
0: yeah I feel like that's becoming more normal like it always sounds super smooth for me when I'm like can I kiss you and they're like ah like it's really cute
1: yeah (laughs) and when it works it still feels magical mm-hmm. and if it doesn't work it's not nearly as just awkward assault someone <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah it's like an awkward or assault like that's really smart
1: and i sometimes i make it goofy and honestly i'm surprised by a lot of the things that have worked for me
2: mm-hmm.
1: for i went through a phase that i'm probably never totally gonna be out of, but it was my makeout bandit phase where I'd be with somebody having a good time and I'd say something like I want you to put your face on my face, which is a ridiculous way to say I'd like you to kiss me. Mm-hmm. But that fucking worked so many times. That's and every time it's such it just a good like, line How how is this okay? That's but really funny. Yeah. It's it's a way to be
0: I want you to put your face on my face.
1: Goofy and kind of charming while still actually checking in with the person.
0: Yeah, no, I love stuff like that. Like, things that aren't inherently, like, I mean, it is asking for direct consent, but it's not, like, saying, do you consent? Like, you're in a laboratory setting. You know what I mean? And I think that, like, as we move towards consent culture becoming the mainstream, like, more manifestations of that will pop up. Yeah. And so, like, I'm really excited for that. Like, I cannot wait until I see it on TV. I'm going to, like, lose my mind. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I really like asking someone else to initiate things mm-hmm. because then it's less likely that they say yes if they're apprehensive about something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that that still happens sometimes and I always feel so crappy when that ha- I went on a date with somebody recently and things were going really well and then their energy shifted but we're still having fun and then at the end of the night it's kind of weird and I asked if we could kiss and there's kind of a hesitation and then they said yes and the next day I was like hey I had a lot of fun it seems like you felt kind of weird about something at some point but I hope we can hang out again and they told me that I remind them of their sibling and it's like you could have said that before we kissed because that kiss felt really good to me but yeah I see why that can't be a thing
0: (laughs) yeah no that's pretty solid actually Yeah. yeah I have I mean I don't know as someone that struggles like I have struggled to define what is consensual for me for a long time and A lot of it's related to the fact that a lot of my beginning experiences with sex and relationships were non-consensual. So I didn't have a frame of what consent looked like. And so it took me so long to unlearn that. And I still sometimes get it wrong for myself. Like, I'll never hold somebody accountable for, for breaching my consent if I, like, I'm not the kind of person, unless it's like, super obvious it would like retroactively retract consent yeah. because I know, I know what I'm doing and I know where I'm at in my journey about learning about what I think consent is. Yeah. But in that same vein, like I will be in a situation and like if somebody checks in with me or like takes that extra step, like to ask me to initiate that is so useful because of where I'm at that. Like yeah. I try to like use that as much as I can. Cause I know that not every you know person experienced it the same way I did. But I do know that I have consented to things that I didn't want to do. Yeah, me too. You know, and it was still enthusiastic consent, but I just wasn't, I wasn't on the same page with myself yet. Yeah. Which is, it sucks, but. It sucks,
1: (laughs) because none of us grew up in a consent culture, Mm -hmm. and with the whole Me Too thing, that is so important, and I'm so glad it's happening, and, uh, oh, when I did the 60 Seconds Max thing where I told a bunch of jokes, uh, the first, uh, The first thing I said was, I haven't seen this many white dudes get in trouble since Enron.
0: Oh, that's good. That's really good. I um, love Enron. Not the actual <laughs> company, but just the idea that capitalism failed right before our yeah, eyes. That and everybody was, was just like, let's sweep this under the rug and let's just pretend that capitalism is fine. And I'm like, yeah. y'all, they took electricity from us. <laughs> 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 they stole it. They stole the concept of electricity and we're Everything gonna... Everything pre- made of
1: electricity. We're How do you pre- even take that?
0: <laughs> we're gonna pretend that it's fine? Like, uh-huh. it blows my mind. It's in real estate, it's just, I can't.
1: I, I, ugh, fucking capitalism. So we are <laughs> particles from an explosion that came from, nothing, from nothingness that is hurtling into infinite nothingness. Oh. And there is infinity at every point in between. And we are on a rock hurtling further into nothingness around another <laughs> rock. And we're just like a cosmic anomaly, and somehow I'm talking to you right now. And we're still fucking with communism? Are you? or capitalism? Are you kidding me? Like Jesus, we have enough resources for everybody. And people are like, we have, especially
0: uh, if we tap into that machine that they left at the uh, Roswell landing. Mm. Not to go full YouTube rabbit hole on y'all, but like, look it up. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, so yeah so we're like wrapping up on time um okay what advice do you have for people about monogamy non-monogamy
1: um i think that a lot of people need to realize that non-monogamous relationships and monogamous relationships need mostly the same things like you still have to make sure that you check in with your partner and people feel emotionally safe together mm-hmm. and that you're really in tune with yourself and your partner. People think that there's so much more jealousy and non monogamous relationships. Like no, that stems from the same place either way. Mm-hmm. So everyone really needs to start checking in with themselves and their partners more in be mindful. We all need to be mindful about everything because we didn't just not, we don't just not exist in a consent culture, mm-hmm. which is horrifying because like most people have done something that constitutes a breach sexual of consent. assault, yeah. yeah, and that's. Horrifying and that's a conversation we have to have at some point. Right now we still gotta keep taking down the monsters. But mm-hmm. at some point we have to talk about the fact The like,
0: monsters in ourselves.
1: Yeah, you gotta kill your inner fuck boy. <laughs> but,
0: I uh, need to have a sit down discussion with my inner fuck because, like
1: <laughs> Sometimes that motherfucker acts up. Yeah, it's true. But uh yeah, we we didn't we don't exist in a positive culture for most things and we're constantly being programmed to be like sexist racist homophobic transphobic all those things and you have to be mindful about all this i'm amazed by how many people just assume they're good people trying to actually be a good person God,
2: it's involves- so much effort
1: it's so much work you have to do so much to not continue all of the shitty things you've been programmed to do. And so many people are just like, oh, I let somebody in in traffic. I'm killing it. (laughs) Oh my God, you got to think more about this. Yeah. Like, don't think you're a piece of shit as much as I do. But like, just the language we use, so much of it.
0: Well, it's so internalized. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize how much internalized feminism ruled or uh, misogynistic, like dialogue and expectations like ruled my life, my life, not just like my actions, but like how I was living my life until I like started, you know, becoming an active feminist. I was like, Oh my God. Like I've been, look at how I've been treating people. Like, and it still pops up all the time. Like, and you know, gosh, being raised by racists. (laughs) Like I have to check myself all the time, not because I feel that way, but because like the language that I learned, like it's, it's incredible how much of it gets stored away in you and you don't realize it until it comes up in your head. And if you're not checking yourself constantly, yeah. like that shit will come out, you know. I don't
1: freestyle in public because you go into a fugue state when you actually really like continuously freestyle, mm-hmm. and I'm so mindful about the language that I use that I don't even want to use accidentally like, some, say something. Like, yeah ableist term because there are a ton of tropes in rap music i almost said there are a ton of crutches in rap music which is ableist yeah. it's everywhere <laughs> yeah um
0: gosh ableism is a hard one it's kind of newer it's real to me tough. um but it like it happened i was watching that show the good place have you watched it oh yet? i love
2: the good Place. it's a great fucking so show good.
0: but like uh there's a character in it who's like super dumb and i was like I th- I just feel like I'm watching someone be, like, incredibly ableist right now by, like, yeah. portraying that character. Like, where is the line? Yeah. And then once I started going down that rabbit hole, it was like, oh, fuck. I yeah. am ableist, you know? Like, and I had to, like, confront that about myself. And it just feels like, no, like, there's always going to be something left, yeah. you know?
1: But that's when we accept that mm-hmm. and actually start Integrate beating- it into our lives. Yeah, and stop just beating ourselves up about it. When you here's here's the advice outside of non-monogamy when you say something messed up and you get called out on it or you realize it say the sentence again with a different word that conveys (laughs) your meaning because if you don't do that you're either going to con you're either going to just forget or you're going to just like wallow in self-loathing instead of actually fixing anything
0: yeah no that's great advice
1: Time, uh, I was at work with my friend and I was talking about something, and I was like, That's so gay. And he goes, Uh, you're queer and super about social justice. Why do you say that? And I said, Oh, I always mean something really positive when I call some shit gay. <laughs> like, the, like, the movie Rockadoodle did you ever see that? No, it's about this rooster with multicolor feathers who thinks that he brings up the sun when he sings. And it doesn't happen one time, so it moves to the city, and he's kind of a Elvisy character, ton of rhinestones, which is super gay. <laughs> and then the villain in this movie is an owl who wears a monocle and a cape, and uh, lives in this like place with all of these other birds. And the this first getting time, we, gayer. the first time we come in, they're singing this song that's super long and he's playing a giant pipe organ and then after they stop he says like somebody messed up like several bars ago mm-hmm. and the kicker the villain shoots evil rainbows out of his mouth
0: <laughs> like that's <laughs>
1: so gay that's really i gay. love it
0: yeah like when you're saying like something actually gay it's really yeah. gay that's also something that's super cool about dating gay chicks for me is that we can be like, that's so gay all the time. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> I found out recently that gay originally occupied the same space that like queer does more commonly now. It came out of like cutie pop oh. culture. So I'm taking it back from homosexuals. Homosexuals aren't as fun <laughs> as us anyway. So we use the word gay better your homosexuals deal with it.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: Either become politically queer and then we'll let you use it. But in the interim, while you're on that So people would
0: say gay for like just anything that wasn't heteronormative? Right. Sort of? Okay, cool. Yeah. That's a good piece of information to have now.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Do gay shit.
0: (laughs) On that note... (laughs) If you enjoyed the personality of Brian and Z as much as I do, I encourage you to check out their music. You are the least welcome. We Lurk Among You 1.5 by Brian and Z can be found on Bandcamp. I'll put the link in the show notes. It's a charity album, so I really encourage you to go check it out and give them all the love that you can because they're awesome musicians. And if you haven't heard the Sell Your Body promo that we did for the Sell Your Body show, Goo, it features music from Brian and Z, and the song is about polyamory. So that's on the Sell Your Body show YouTube page. I'll also put the link to it in the show notes. And as always, I trust your judgment far more than I trust my own.